How many medications is your loved one on? 10, 15, 30? Are they suffering from falls, brain fog, or new sudden behaviors? I'm your host, Valerie Borgman, and this is something we hear all the time. Families are concerned that their loved one is being over-medicated. I am so excited to welcome Dr. DeLon Canterbury to the show. His company, Geriatrics, helps families review these medications and safely de-prescribe. So grab your medication bottles because you don't want to miss this episode. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. You're listening to our doable tips, short answers to your questions. Don't see your question listed? Send us a note. Then don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an answer. What is the number one question that families ask you the most? A lot of it is, why have I been on these medications for so long? Or how come I haven't heard of a service like this before, like to get my patient off of medication? So there's a lot of how and why, but most of it is they don't know what pharmacists can do for them. So people are first kind of lost, but once they see, you know, I use pharmacists, but they seem so busy. And they don't realize that we can work outside of a pharmacy. So do I really need to be on all these medications? And why aren't the doctors listening to me? Like, why aren't they listening to my concerns as a caregiver? And so this happens often. They just feel neglected or they don't have the title behind their name. So it, you know, it just kind of falls on deaf ears. Yeah. That's why I wanted to have you on the show, because with what we do, we hear this all the time where the family member has a concern, but you know, this isn't their wheelhouse, right? They, they don't know medications. They just know that their loved one isn't right. Something's different. Maybe they're over-medicated, like something's going on, but they just don't know. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, I mean, what do you think about this? Because I feel like with seniors, the reason they slip through the cracks so much is that they have all these specialists, right? They generally have five different doctors. Oh yeah. And we find that those doctors are not communicating. Absolutely. Is that your experience too? It's the majority of my experience. And this is actually what we just talk about in our de-prescribing accelerator. We teach clinicians how to spot this. And a lot of it falls prey to what's called the prescribing cascade. You already know we have a fragmented and broken healthcare system. So when you have multiple providers and specialists not talking to each other, you're getting all these meds from my kidney doctor, my cardiologist says this, my, my psych says that. And we don't have a system that really has them all make sure everything is copacetic and kosher for the patient. You may, luckily, if you know you're in the same health system, but no one's going through and managing all the meds and looking closely, unless it's your usual, hey, you still taking this? Okay, great. They don't do a deep dive, which is what's lacking in our healthcare system. So really you're hoping that the patient uses one pharmacy. doesn't always happen. And you're hoping that that overburdened pharmacist is catching all those issues. And generally, it's very difficult, as you can tell, because things fall through the cracks. And that's where I decided to leave the usual retail pharmacy setting and do my own business where I'm providing medication consults, concierge a la carte to you directly now, not tomorrow, not for insurance approval. Because again, 
when you have one person writing this, they're thinking, oh, well, you must have an issue with this. Instead of thinking, hey, maybe it's the meds. But no, and this is, you know, well-intentioned. It's not really the doctor's fault. It's just they are confined to do only so much and so little time. An ongoing number of task lists, right? So with prescribing cascades, you can have a diabetic medicine turn into an issue with someone passing out and having low energy. So you're wondering, they have low energy. Let's give you a new drug. Let's give you something else to treat that. And then that has a side effect. And then that leads to another symptom. So this is what we talk about extensively of how to avoid prescribing cascades. And this is why a lot of it can be stopped with just asking, what are you taking? How long has it been? Is it controlled? Is it more than five meds? And most importantly, is it vital for you to live? If it's not vital for you to live, you can probably stop it safely. And about 90% of meds, you can actually stop safely with the right supervision with no side effects. So again, we have to change our mindset around this and not assume we need a pill for every ill. Yeah, exactly. I love that. A lot of these seniors, they're on like 10 medications, 15 medications. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. And not to mention, like, that's not even counting vitamins. Nope. It's not. Usually it's not. It's usually much more. I see plenty of patients in the teens and the 20s, especially in our seniors. And unfortunately, characteristically of them is they are kind of known as the silent generation. They're used to just kind of sucking it up buttercup and not saying anything until it's really, really bad. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to ask those questions. And that's why I think our caregivers have to play a role here in that advocacy to, again, fight back against our system because our system is going to think, well, you must need something else. It's not, I'm in trouble if I don't treat something. So I'm going to treat you with this. And you hope that helps. But a lot of times when I see people on 15, 20, 30 meds, it tells me one, a pharmacist did not look at this. Two, it's just a reminder of how broken our system is. We're not even using pharmacists at the top of our license to truly help drive those, those numbers and reducing pills and reducing costs and improving quality and optimizing what truly is necessary to actually prolong your life happily and independently. We don't want people on a bunch of meds and now you're just a zombie or comatose or don't even have a good quality of life. You're just existing. Or falling, or falling. <laughs> like we've talked right. about. <laughs> right, right. Falls are the worst. Falls are scary, right? Nobody wants that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about pharmacists and what they're going through. I go to the pharmacist to get, you know, whatever, and they don't even look up. I mean, they're like completely busy. Right. And then they're like, do you need help? And I'm like, no, you know what? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, what are pharmacists these days going through? They're going through complete hell. This is actually one of the biggest pain points in healthcare right now. And it is finally our health system shedding a light to the horrible working conditions. Most of these corporate pharmacies are forcing their pharmacy technicians and pharmacists to deal with where you're checking 600, 700 meds a day with one person and being forced to give 50 COVID shots and 30 flu shots and COVID testing and drive through and managing a team and you got call outs and it's breaking at the seams. So this is the loudest this has been where we're actually fighting back against the boards of pharmacy, these, these pharmacy benefit managers who are basically dogging out the customer with spread pricing and lack of transparency. So you're paying all this money at the counter and the pharmacist wants to help you, but his hands are so tied by having to hit these metrics that aren't even important to your patient safety. 
I've been there and I've been a pharmacy manager for five, six years. I, I did that. I lived it. It drove me to major depressive disorders and, and anxiety I still deal with. But I can say there is another way out. And not all pharmacists are going to just, you know, hunker down. That's what I did. But morally and ethically, I felt so crappy at the end of my day. More and more of us are leaving that world and diving into this level of entrepreneurship, but more so that closing those gaps in care that we sorely need across the board. I'm guilty of hunkering down and hoping that God, he didn't have a question because I didn't want to talk to you because I was so busy making sure that someone wasn't dying while I'm juggling 10 other things and hoping that I even have a chance to eat. And I never did. I never had a lunch break. I never had a lunch. I never had a bathroom break and everything piled on the pharmacist. So it's like, you're the last step for everything in the system. It's already archaic. It's outdated. And even the, the business side of pharmacy is losing because these PBMs, these pharmacy benefit managers are again, cashing on the savings they get with government contracts and then making the customer, you, the patient pay more or the small business employer pay more for those health insurance plans because they're not even telling the public what you have to pay. So there's so many levels of corruption embedded in our broken healthcare system, there needs to be reform. So that's why I'm like, you got to do something different. Don't even get me started on that because <laughs> that is absolutely, yeah. I've had my own personal experience with that from the insurance being an entrepreneur myself. I am self-insured. I don't have, I'm actually a member of a co-op. So that puts me actually in more of a driver's seat. Yeah. And absolutely, I've had experiences where they're like, well, you have to take this test. And I'm like, tell me why. Well, because the insurance company requires it. And I'm like, mm. well, actually, <laughs> I, am, I don't yeah. have insurance. So why don't we go pass go? You know, let's go to the test that I really need. Right. You know, right. Same thing with medications. You're absolutely right that it is broken. Yeah. The system is broken. So what are, broken. what are some of the most common medications that you see problems with? Excellent question. And (laughs) the long and short of it is all of them, because even though they're all well-intentioned, things have a timeline and we fail to address that not every medicine is a life sentence. There are times when you no longer need it. If your stuff is controlled, then guess what? You don't need those diabetes meds. You've controlled it. After a while, it, it, it stabilizes. So we're in this thinking, well, I gotta have this blood pressure med. I got to have this for my swelling. And we're not getting to the root cause, which is what are we doing to treat the entire body? What are we doing to drive behavioral changes? What are we doing with motivational interviewing to assess people's readiness to get off these pills? Because we already think as Americans, we need it fast. We need it now. What are we doing to invest in our health now so that you're not taking 15 pills in a nursing home? When it comes to these meds, yeah, I say all of them. Uh, but a part of our deep prescribing accelerator is literally teaching these clinicians how to pinpoint the top 10 medications we address. And so I'm going to ramble off a couple. The number one culprit in seniors are NSAIDs. So non-steroidal anti-inflammatory wow. drugs, your Aleve, your naproxens, your ibuprofens, high-dose aspirin. They all are NSAIDs and they have a number of drug interactions and side effects and can worsen certain health conditions. Kidney failure, high blood pressure can be raised with NSAIDs. There could be toxicities with aspirin when it's overdosed. It can cause heart failure. It can increase stroke. They can interact with blood thinners like warfarin and Plavix. So 
a lot of times I see patients who take all this stuff and there's always like a little ibuprofen for their little bit of pain. And if you think, oh, just for my pain, I don't need it, but that could be worse than your issues. So again, this takes a fine clinical advocate, but this is where pharmacists come into play. But it's not just pharmacists, it's everyone who chooses to have a passion to stop these meds. So if I teach you, hey, NSAIDs can cause this, you could be a patient or a clinician, but now you know to have those flags up and say, huh, maybe we should stop this. And guess what? They have examples where people do this now, and they've been able to show that they've reduced admissions to hospitals just because they stopped this type of medication in certain types of patients. Like for instance, heart failure patients. If you're a heart failure patient, you should almost never be on an NSAID, period. So again, it's those little things that are just, I feel, low-hanging fruit that our system just fails. That's so crazy too, because that's an over-the-counter medication that everyone is so familiar with. Like I would have never even thought of it because it's just, you can just go run to the store and grab some. So you don't think of it as being, surely it's okay. (laughs) It's right there. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's a whole nother story when we talk about herbals and vitamins and those other things that they tell you on TV, hey, this will give you energy for or preserve your memory. They're all generally lies. So <laughs> I love that. They're all generally lies. <laughs> <laughs> They're all generally lies. Like, <laughs> well, that I, I'm glad you said memory because I feel like that's another area that a lot of the clients we work with, we are finding that providers are prescribing medications for behaviors as opposed to addressing that root cause. And then this is where you get the over-medicated zombie, you know, seniors sitting in a chair because they were wandering as opposed to looking at what are the triggers and, and maybe even bringing in psychology Mm -hmm. into it. They're just adding all these medications. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah. So that right there is exactly why I founded Geriatrics, uh, my company. And it's because my grandma was that very same person. She had mild cognitive impairment. She was slightly, you know, had some dementia. And in the nursing home she was in, they gave her an antipsychotic to manage her behavior uh, for her mild, you know, memory loss. And so that worsened her condition. It completely got her sundowning, irritable, wandering at night leaving the house, ringing the doorbell at 3 a.m. It got so bad, my, my grandma was kicked out of the nursing home in the very same prescription that they wrote. Terrible. And so my parents took her in, and for four months, they struggled with trying to figure out, why is this so bad? They're doing everything right. It's the medication. And it took four months for us to figure this out. And moving my grandma from New York to Atlanta, where I grew up, and moving them into my parents' house. So needless to say, I can't even quantify how much money that cost and time wasted on the patient, but that's exactly who I envision helping with this type of service I provide. The, the proof is there. We have a spike, almost 21% increase in nursing homes diagnosing geriatric patients as having some type of psych disorder just as a workaround to give them these medications. So again, the evidence isn't there and it causes more harm usually than good kind of just throwing things at a patient, hoping they're just sedated and mummified so they ain't worried about bothering the nurse because the nurse is already overworked and doesn't have anyone else to cover her shift. It's a systemic issue, but it still needs to be addressed. And that's what I'm leading is, is focusing on teaching nurses, social workers, caregiver advocates like yourself 
on how to leverage deprescribing as a way to help these people out. Absolutely. And and this is only a problem that's going to get worse. I mean, you know, we're we're seeing more and more cognitive impairment appearing, you know, you hear all the statistics and Yeah. Okay, so do you have adult family homes there in North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So this is actually one of the reasons that I love adult family homes is that they very often have a home doctor. And that home doctor is coming every six weeks. So you you often have that one person that's looking at everything as opposed to all those different specialists that we were talking about. And they're also able to very quickly make any changes because they're seeing the patient every six weeks or so. Right. So I am actually a big advocate of that smaller setting. You have, what, a maximum of six to eight residents. That's like, it's like one to three, as opposed to a nursing home where it's like one to 10 or 30, (laughs) right? I mean, it can be pretty bad out there. And so then that comes back to what we were talking about with the pharmacist being overworked and what you're saying with it being a systemic problem is that they just, they can't do the job they're supposed to, or even let's just say the job they want to. Right. Right. Oh my God. Everybody wants to do a good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you really hit the nail on the head. I, I love the model of those. Uh, they're, they're, sometimes they're called patient care model homes or those. This, this, essentially it's like an extension of a hospital within a small clinic. I love that the intimacy is there and at least you can track the outcomes a bit easily. Um, but again, people don't think about the pharmacist. So we have to leverage their skill sets and put them into these models so we can catch them and no shade to anyone, but doctors don't know about the drugs like pharmacists do. We're here to support them where we work together. It's a team-based thing. So what do we do? Because I don't want our listeners to go and run to their overworked pharmacist tomorrow with their list of medications. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so what can we, right? I don't, I don't want to get in trouble here. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> But how can they, I mean, obviously we've got your services and we're going to put everything in show notes, but what are some other things that families can do? Real low hanging fruit is, this is probably the number one advice I give everyone is, is your loved one on more than five medications? And when you start asking that, now everyone's involved because it's pretty easy to catch that, right? It's easy to see if that's an issue or not. So your goal is to see what can we do to get them down to five? That's my number one goal because we know statistically more than five, and this is what the term polypharmacy means, basically the, more, the use of more, five or more meds. We know there's an increased risk of noncompliance, increased risk of drug interactions, or lower outcomes. This leads to ER hospitalization increases. Like the more we increase by, by every five or so, the more your numbers of chances of having harm increase. So that should be the goal. So one, is your loved one on five meds? The second follow-up should be, okay, what are we doing to get them off? Immediately, what you can do now is go to your patient portal, send a message to your provider and say, hey, I spoke with Dr. Delon today. What can we do to safely get Tom, Dick, and Harry off of some of these medications over time? It doesn't have to be an all-at-once thing. It should be an ongoing, reiterative process. Deprescribing isn't just a one-shop and you're done. You have to literally have medication checkups every quarter. If there's any change, if there's any dose change, if your loved one's becoming more constipated or sedated or anything that's abnormal, first think it's the drugs. First 
think it's the drugs, if they are on a bunch of meds, then we start weeding out the other stuff because usually it's a med. I still recommend if you can, you know, maybe call your pharmacist when they're at a, you know, when it's a slow time, I still recommend you do that. What is a slow time for a pharmacist? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no such thing. Usually it's the first thing in the morning when they open like eight, eight fifteen. Usually that's the, the best time to call. Or if you have a 24 hour pharmacy that is attached to the one that you may use, you don't have to call the same pharmacy. You can call, say it's like you're up at night, it's 12 AM and you just were wondering, you can literally call a 24-hour pharmacy and they can look up any patient if it's in the same system like Walgreens or CVS. They can look up anybody across the world and they can still tell you objectively what we can do to stop. There's nothing you can do. It's like if you're an early bird, be up at six, seven, five, you can call any 24-hour pharmacy that is attached to your pharmacy and they could still do a quick med checkup for you and say, you know what, maybe we can stop some of these. Um, not all of them are as versed as, say, a board-certified geriatric pharmacist like myself, who specializes in de-prescribing, but you could still get an opinion on what may be a problem, and they're going to still help you because pharmacists love to serve and help. So I still say to ask your pharmacist, but yeah, you, the goal as a patient should be, over time, let's get our, our loved one off of these meds as much as possible, including the OTCs including the the natural supplements, the vitamins, half of that stuff we don't even have strong evidence for. So it's like, are you wasting your money? Are you getting better outcomes? That's what you want to weigh. And don't be afraid to tell the doctor. Don't be afraid to ask questions. People think it's, uh, you know, taboo not to ask or advocate to get off these meds. And if you can, the power is yours. Literally, Captain Planet. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know what? So to be fair, though, I would say that a lot of people have bad experiences because, again, we're talking about overworked doctors or doctors that don't know all the answers or overworked staff. I think there's probably a large group of folks that don't ask because they know there's going to be some pushback. It's just not going to be they're not going to get a great answer today or, you know, whatever it is. And I think that's probably fair because the system is overburdened. Well, here's a pushback to that. If you are on Medicare, you are required by law to have what's called an annual wellness visit. And in that annual wellness visit, you are mandated to go through and have a medication comprehensive review. If you aren't getting that in the last number of years, you've seen your doctor, then hey. Wow. You can say, hey, the law is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're on Medicare, you have to have a medication review. And I don't mean a medication technician just saying, are you still on this? Are you still on this? It needs to be literally an hour long meeting with your provider where you literally go through all the meds and see what the patient's actually taking or not. And you'll find 80% of the hospital records are wrong when it comes to these medication lists. They, They usually aren't even accurate. And we have numbers that show that. Wow. So again, it's wrong on their end. And then the patient may not have the trust in the med, or it could be a language barrier, or it could be a financial barrier. And they're afraid to even tell the doctor that's going on. And that leads to, again, a perpetuity of issues socially, psychologically, and again, poor outcomes because our patients not getting the care they need. Patients and caregivers have way more power than they realize. And if you say, no, I don't want to do that. What can we do differently? The doctor has to abide by that. Even if they say, I strongly think you should do X, Y, Z, 
you have every right to do that. And I'm not telling people to go and just challenge all their doctors, but essentially to wake up from this nightmare of a pandemic of overprescribing, whether it's opioids, whether it's diabetic drugs, benzodiazepines, which we know are a problem with falls in our seniors, we gotta get loud and we gotta get proud about this because things won't change otherwise. And that's how really the best results come is when you are dogged and fighting back against, you're not taking no for an answer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that we talk to our families about advocating, you have to advocate (laughs) as uncomfortable as that might make some folks feel it is so vital. You do have to advocate for your loved one. And, and so, yeah, so that is, that is really important. I want to go back to something that you talked about. You mentioned if there are more than five medications and you talked about like a quarterly review with your doctor. I've never heard of this. Is there any doctor that's actually doing a quarterly review? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> no, you're not doing it. And there are a number of reasons. Some may not have the comfortability or expertise per se. And I'm not, again, downplaying what doctors do. They're vital to this. But truthfully, it's the system. They can reimburse for this, but the time and the capacity and the barriers of the other things on the task list that they have to hit becomes the precedent, not the meds. So they're incentivized to keep in alliance with, you know, insurance markers and metrics and hit hit codes and things that they have to do to, to stay afloat. Oftentimes the meds are neglected. The patient, if they see a loved one who's on 15, 20 meds, you could say, doc, I want this visit to be solely on the meds and demand it. It's not a one-time, what can we do to get them off this? And maybe you successfully get one or two off. It needs to be an ongoing Every visit, we're going to tackle these heart pressure, blood pressure drugs. We're going to tackle these diabetic drugs. And it should be literally a goal to get down to five as much as possible. I absolutely love this. I know we talked about show notes too, but also I'm going to be telling all of my clients about this. I mean, you know, this is, wow, I, I had no idea. So what would be your number one doable tip for families? I think caregivers and patients know most of all their loved ones like tells like something's wrong or something's off. So don't question your instinct. If you're listening now, talk to your pharmacist at a, you know, slow time about the meds, deep dive, demand a medication review for your loved one. Some pharmacists, honestly, I've done this before. I've had someone come into my retail pharmacy and I knew it would take time, but I said, Hey man, I'm busy now, but come in in two days on Saturday at this time, I'll be here. I'll sit down. I'll do a full med review free of charge. This is when pre COVID mind you, (laughs) I don't expect that now, but you need to not assume that every medication is safe. I don't care if it's a toothpaste or a prescription deodorant, there's always something that can cause something. And so don't think just because I'm on you know, meds I've been on for 20, 30 years, that it's still safe. Your body has changed, your physiology changes, the way you absorb and eliminate drugs change. And that means your response changes. I've seen aspirin interact with warfarin. I've seen cinnamon interact with pepper that caused one of my patients chronic GERD for two years. And she ended up spending thousands of dollars using high dose protonics and she was failing therapy because she was taking a natural supplement for two years. It could be anything. I've had patients who've had falls because they had too many diabetic drugs or high blood pressure meds. 
I've had patients who took Benadryl and have dementia, which is a huge no-no. And Benadryl can send someone with dementia to the ER. So again, you may think any little drug is safe because it's over the counter, but no, do not assume every drug is safe. Any new change or dose change or reduction, there's a difference in your patient's characteristics, then it needs to be thought that it's this medication and you need to ask and you have to fight. You have to fight. This week's episode is brought to you by Geriatrics, a pharmacist-led medication management company helping caregivers to stop their loved ones from being over-medicated through genetic testing, deprescribing, and health cost-saving strategies. Geriatrics, your trusted consultant pharmacist. Find more information in today's show notes. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.